Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III, and we are here for a special presentation of the D23 Expo on the MCU side as Marvel announced some of their new projects and some things we knew about, a few different announcements, and also some things that we didn't hear about, which is always interesting to talk about. Let's introduce the panel and get this party started. First, the super producer is in the house, Jake Christie. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well. Greetings and salutations, AC. Ah, I love a good greetings and salutations on a Monday I evening. Know. And <laughs> That's for you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir. AKA White Bread, I didn't forget. Um, we also have our pal from Murphy's Multiverse, our guy, Hunter Radisi. I finally get the name right here. Hunter, welcome back to the program. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me again. Awesome, awesome. So... I I made a little rundown, so I want to kick it off this way. Let's start talking about what we were able to see for for us since we did not attend this. We were just following on the Internet as everybody else did. We We got a couple of trailers. We'll start with those. The first one is Secret Invasion as in 2023 sometime. I'm going to guess early 2023. We will be getting Sam Jackson back as Nick Fury. As he comes back to Earth, finally, he's had he's had a long vacation, very long vacation. And seems like he's going to be dealing with this scroll problem, as it seems like the scrolls who we thought were friendly from Captain Marvel. It seems like there are some other ones who are not so friendly. So there's there's a lot going on in this trailer. Very excited to talk about it. Hunter, I'll start with you. What were your impressions of this trailer and what you saw? What is what is your instant reaction? Well, I'll I'll tell you, AC. Um, I think what's interesting about the MCU's take on Secret Invasion is how, and again, we haven't seen enough of it to know this a hundred percent for sure, but how small scale it seems to be compared mm-hmm. to, you know, the comic book Secret yeah. Invasion, which was this huge, you know, multiple comic storyline spanning event that's been adapted in cartoons and and video games and yada 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 um and i think it's interesting that they're taking secret invasion and in a way almost making it like a like a nick fury spin-off disney plus show which i mean i remember way back in the day when it was first being rumored that kyle bradstreet was developing a tv show project for disney plus um, and that it was going to be like a Nick Fury Disney Plus show, and that that was the concept, and that's what everyone mm-hmm. thought it was until we found out it was Secret Invasion. And then seeing this trailer come out, it still does kind of feel like the Nick Fury Disney Plus show. Um, yeah. And I don't know how that's going to land for everybody, but for me, I actually don't dislike that. Um, I actually very much enjoyed the trailer. It felt like the spiritual sequel to the winter soldier that civil war wasn't necessarily that's not a knock on civil war at all but if you catch my drift um and i'm i'm a person who i was almost anxious about the idea of the mcu doing secret invasion for for the idea of i have been you know we all grow attached to these characters and a lot of these characters aren't 
aren't people who have existed in a million bajillion comics for for years where you can be like oh they were a scroll for this run and then it, it doesn't really matter that much whereas in the mcu i was nervous about this idea they'd take a character who we've loved since the first avengers and be like oh they were a scroll the whole time and then all the character development that we've talked about for so long goes out the window um and how they handle that is different here or there but that that made me a little nervous and i'm, I'm almost glad that it's seeming to be like a, a smaller scale thing mm-hmm. that they just took that title from um but yeah i don't know that's that's my opinion i i think it looks it looks really cool it looks very much in that spy world of corner of the mcu um and i i'm i'm excited to see it plus i mean sam jackson is nick fury will never get old that guy just knows what he's doing so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah of course and, and jake what are your what are your instant thoughts on the trailer so i think that while Obviously, Secret Invasion is a gigantic thing in the comics. Um, not that I'm familiar with it, but obviously, I, I just know it is. But I think that they were in the tough position, both because literally the titles are similar of Secret Invasion and Secret Wars, of like, if you're going to do one of them, if you're going to do both of them, they can't both be at the same scale because they are, even though the methods are different, they are in a way the same type of thing of having people be played by have different the characters you knew before having different motivations or not actually being who they say they are and so i actually just don't think that there is a way to do a secret invasion at the scale of the comics and also do secret wars around the same time like i think it would just be impossible to keep it would be impossible not to repeat the same story beats i think in some way um and so i think turning the essence of the scroll of like you don't know who you're talking to you don't know who is who making that the centerpiece of the show instead of, you know, there obviously will be some reveals like this character is secretly a scroll the whole time, but that's not centered in it. The thing that's centered in it is the paranoid thing of any single person you talk to can be a scroll. There might be some characters where there's big reveals, but that's not, it's not about like, Oh my God, did you realize that this person was a scroll the whole time? It's about, I mean, I think the shot in the trailer of, um, human Talos sitting at a table with a guy and then everyone in the room becomes that guy is like, that's I think the the vibe you want to have throughout because that's kind of the paranoid thriller thing that people love about Winter Soldier. I think I caught exactly your drift of what you meant by that. That it's like the whole thing of yeah, in the same way that you don't know in Winter Soldier who's Hydra, in this you don't know who's a scroll. And I think that that's that's a fun thing to do for a spy story. And it's if you're going to do the Nick Fury show, I like that you're doing a uh, you're giving him a enemy that feels appropriate for his like level of capability it's they're not giving him a small scale villain i think the one thing i'll say about this and you guys make great points as far as the scale is concerned i really like this cast this cast is interesting there's a lot of not only familiar faces but just people who seem to probably have range and and a lot of different ways and different aspects of character development we could see not only with fury but we have Rhodey back for this, and it seems like mm-hmm. in a little bit more of a scale than what we originally thought. Seems like he's mm-hmm. going to be probably like involved, at least at a, at a decent clip, the way that Don Cheadle described it at D23. is Basically, he and Fury are kind of going back and forth as far as what protecting the world is going to look like. And that should be an interesting back and forth if that's going to take place for a little bit more. Uh, the the Kingsley Benadir, as Jake mentioned, with with Talos and mm-hmm. that scene where there's a bunch of him, that 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 that's very intriguing. So 
I think it's exciting to me that we have this show kind of in this way. And I love what Hunter said about the spiritual sequel to Winter Soldier because, listen, man, I love me a good spy thriller. And yeah. you put Sam Jack in this situation when he, d- for, for Fury to not be on this planet for so long and to come back and not know anything. And we, and then the funny thing is, we see. We see Martin Freeman in this too. Everett Ross is 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 in this too. So that's mm-hmm. intriguing as well. If you go back to our Comic Con pod, uh, our pal buddy Charles Murphy was on, and he gave a pretty good explanation of what's kind of happened in in Secret Invasion with Fury, just to kind of give you a couple of breadcrumbs along the way. So I think from a paranoia standpoint in Fury's sense, not knowing anything and how that's going to evolve throughout the series and how that changes his character and changes the MCU with the Skrulls mm-hmm. and who we may find out was a Skrull or who wasn't a Skrull and stuff like that. I, stuff like that. I've always been excited for. Because uh, I yeah, think go ahead, Jake. The, the thing that is so interesting to me about Nick Fury being the guy who takes on the Skrulls is that, the inherent tension of any spy movie is you don't know who you could trust. And so Nick Fury has lived his entire life like that. He's lived his entire life basically with adrenaline pumping because every single conversation he doesn't know if he can trust the other person he's talking to. So imagine you spend your entire life being like that. And then you're introduced to an enemy who throws the wrinkle in. It's not just you don't know if anyone you're talking to who is who you can trust. It's you don't know if the person you're talking to is the person you're talking to. Like that would ruin a spy's brain because they're you then have completely unmoored from all the ways you normally would figure out if you could trust someone. And so I think that he in that way is a perfect match for them as an enemy. Yes. Yeah, I uh, I believe it was Tony Stark several years ago who described Fury as as a man whose secrets have secrets, and I I think that that is a hundred percent correct. And I really really like your point there, Jake. Um, especially I think you combine that with the idea that this is seemingly somewhat of a Nick Fury show. It's like if there is any single human being on earth who has the capability and experience to Mm -hmm. potentially outmaneuver the scrolls, it is Nick Fury. So I like, I do like that idea of like Nick Fury versus an entire invasion. And I also kind of want to point out that it looks like Rhodey has like, he has a security detail and he's wearing a suit. And uh, I don't know, I, li- I like that Rhodey kind of pops in here and there now, and I feel like every time he shows up, he has, like, a slightly different job <laughs> within mm-hmm. the government, and I, I don't really know. Like, <laughs> uh, honestly, if you look at if you look on the Wikipedia page of anyone who is, like, high up in the military, that is what it is. It's like yeah. they go from DOD to the Pentagon, and then they go to, like, the private sector. Like, that is real. <laughs> I just remember, like, a long, again, this is another way back thing when they were considering developing a, a war machine movie in the MCU, the, the rumor, or maybe it wasn't rumor. It might've been Don Cheadle who said it in an interview is like, they toyed with the idea of Rhodey becoming vice president in the MCU or mm-hmm. something like that. And I just, I thought it'd be fun if in secret invasion, he is like a higher ranking government official. And it makes, it adds even more intrigue to this idea of like, okay, like if mm-hmm. Rhodey is a scroll or someone that he's close with is a scroll, like, what does that mean for, for everything? Um, Mm -hmm. no, no. And, um, I mean, we'll touch on it a a little bit towards the end, but like what you mentioned with Rhodey, like the connection to what seemingly leads to armor wars, which is Mm -hmm. something that Don Cheadle did say that secret invasion will lead directly for his character into armor wars. So, 
all of that stuff and just the way that this seems to be set up is very interesting. And again, I'm looking forward to seeing how some outside players, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. leave that out there for now, how some outside players get into the flow of this show at some and, point eventually. And I can't believe we've been talking about this show for this long and I didn't bring up the fact that Academy Award winner Olivia Coleman is in it, which feels oh, so stupid. <laughs> like, I, I'm glad she's in it, but it's also like, Olivia, you you have three Oscar nominations and one win. You could have done a better <laughs> Marvel property than this. I feel like her character in the trailer just seems to be like British lady. <laughs> Which is- I mean, she <laughs> fucking kills it at that though. In terms she's of so people good who are British good at, lady. yeah, uh, it is just so funny that it's like, oh, she's like the second lead, no, well, probably the third lead in Secret Invasion, like. Movie fans will see that and get really mad that the MCU is ruining movies, and I understand that. But my response to that is like, "Fuck yeah, you're goddamn right, she is." <laughs> That's how loaded the shows are. So yeah, so yeah, Secret Invasion coming your way probably early 2023. I'm gonna guess it might be the first thing mm-hmm. that we get on Disney Plus, and we did get another trailer for oh. a. Oh. Yes, this is uh, this is right in Hunter's Hunter's uh, wheelhouse. <laughs> As Michael Giacchino directing Werewolf by Night, the I guess these the Halloween special, even though this is getting released in like three weeks from Friday, October 7th. Very excited for this, actually. For me, it looks like we're going to get everything in black and white. There is a very cheesy element to it that I really, really enjoy. Like the trailer kind of kind of just like jumped out to me in that way that you got the music i all of it i am so in on this in so many different ways but i want to hear you guys first jake uh tell me what you thought of uh the werewolf by night trailer first of all i will say the reason it's getting released on october 7th is uh it reminds me of a pithy thing i once heard about the movie industry of why christmas movies are released on november 15th usually or something like that is because no one will ever see a Christmas movie on December 26th, so you need to get stuff ahead. Because no one's going to watch the Halloween special on uh, November 1st, which is why they have to release it early. Just that's mm-hmm. just a, If you think about it, it makes sense. If they release it on right. Halloween, there'll be one day where it was appropriate. But I <laughs> like it a lot because um, I'm actually going to quote. Uh, let me actually find it. You can ask Hunter because it's going to take a little bit for me to find a quote. So ask Hunter because Hunter also seems more excited than me. You can't yeah, Hunter, Hunter, we're getting we're getting man thing. The the man thing in this. Um, give us your reaction, and then I will also ask you tell us who man thing is because maybe some of our audience doesn't know. Okay. Um. Well, I'll get I'll get to man thing in a second. But yes. I listen. I love weird. Like I, lo- I love when a project is just unabashedly. This is what we're doing. Deal with it, and we're like we're just committing fully. And I miss as much as I love the direction that like cinema and franchises are going, and and all of this stuff. And and as much as I enjoy it, like the MCU is is in such a unique position to just do weird stuff now and get away with it. And I'm so glad that they're taking that opportunity and running with it. And, and I'm so glad that it is goofy and cheesy and corny and like that classic universal horror monster feel mm-hmm. that they're going for. I love that it's in black and white. I love that it's practical effects. I love that it's, I love that the trailer starts with like an animatronic Ulysses yes. Bloodstone <laughs> zombie mm-hmm. making the worst pun I've ever heard someone start a trailer with. 
<laughs> and then it just cuts to all of these like caricatures of people being like, ha And that's that's the whole the whole thing. Like, just put that in a needle and inject it into the back of my neck because that is like that is all I want. That is my drug. I need I need that in my life. And the fact that the MCU is embracing it with Werewolf by Night of all care, like this like weird. I love him, but in terms of the general public, weird like C list Marvel yeah. character. Who this is a deep, 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 deep cut. It's a deep cut, and that's probably why he's getting a presentation, an, a Marvel Studios special presentation instead of like a theatrically released film. Um, but yeah, and it just like drop kicks a door open for this whole new corner of mm-hmm. this franchise and entertainment in general to like reemerge and exist. And it, it's so exciting because, uh, you know, you start with Werewolf by Night, and if people like this, and it is as good as the trailer makes me hope that it is, um, y- like you said, okay, so this is this is a great segue into Man-Thing. It's like, who's yeah. to say that Man-Thing isn't next? Who's to say that we don't get, I mean, Marvel has this wacky alien fish monster looking creature called Manphibian, who I would absolutely watch a full hour on. Like, I, I just, I'm so excited about what this is, is bringing, I mean, Midnight Suns aside, that being yeah. the thing. Um, but then you bring up Man-Thing, uh, the, the long and short of Man-Thing, uh, a lot of people think that he's just like Marvel's Swamp Thing because mm-hmm. they look and have very similar names. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I guess they're not entirely wrong the more you think about it, but uh, <laughs> Man-Thing's <laughs> whole vibe is he was uh, a biochemist named dr ted uh, salas who was working in the florida everglades on mm-hmm. trying to recreate the super soldier serum as eight million marvel characters began their origin story doing mm-hmm. and um obviously that doesn't go super well with him he breaks some rules he sneaks his wife ellen brandt who was in iron man 3 uh played by Stephanie. Jake would probably know how to pronounce I her. I think last it's name. I think it's probably Zostak, <laughs> but yeah. that's like me assuming that her family's lived in America long enough to make it that. Yeah. But anyway. Um I knew Jake would be better at that one than I would. Uh yeah, so she basically betrays Ted to aim for her own selfish mm. purposes. It results in like a car chase and a car crash and he crashes into the the swamp in the Florida Everglades. And during the escape, he injects himself with the super soldier serum because he's like, I'm probably going to die anyway, so I might as well just, like, try to get myself out of this Classic. Um, Classic. (laughs) uh, Classic mistake. Um, And when he crashes into the swamp, it turns out that this swamp houses what is called the Nexus of All Realities, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, Mm -hmm. And the magic of that in the swamp combined with the super soldier serum that is now... Mm through Ted's blood uh, transform him into the Man-Thing, this tall lumbering swamp monster creature uh, who has lost his human mind and is now the, the protector of the nexus of all realities and he uh, he has empathic powers, he can feel people's emotions, he doesn't like it when people feel fear, he can you know, uh, emit like a fiery substance and he burns people when he doesn't like that they're feeling afraid. His classic, um, his classic comic book cover slogan was like, all those who know fear burn at the man things touch, which is just wonderfully pulpy and fits in so well with like (laughs) this trailer that we've seen with werewolf by night. Um, 
but yeah, and then from there, you know, he joins up with the Legion of Monsters, and he has teamed up with all these other characters, um, and yeah, he's just, he's just really cool and weird and wacky and goofy. There was a 2005 direct-to-DVD movie that, uh, no one seems to know exists, but you can go ahead and watch that if you want to, uh, but yeah, he's, he's just really cool, and he's not, like, a superhero. He's not, like, conscious in the way that Swamp Thing is... He's more so just this, like, lumbering creature who kind of has some, like, emotions and is doing his thing in the swamp, and he kind of accidentally is a hero sometimes by stumbling across bad situations and, like, scaring bad guys away and burning people and all of that fun stuff. But yeah, he's he's great. Um, yes. And now he's going to be in a movie with Marvel's Wolfman, and I'm just so excited. <laughs> See, the thing people don't yes. realize, actually, is that in South Florida, <laughs> Super Soldier Serum is what they call Bush Light. But um, anyway. <laughs> uh, anyone who laughed at that at home, you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but but yes, Jake, um, give us your thoughts, man. Uh, so I think that everything Hunter said is spot on. The thing that I think is both what's good about it and is the thing I'm worried about is what I was looking for the quote on the Discord, which you can join, of course, by joining our Patreon for three dollars a month. Uh. Michael Springthorpe, friend of the show, said that it looks fire, but, quote, I wish I wasn't worried because of all the other times Disney has presented itself as genre only to be IP with a hat on, which <laughs> I think is a great way to describe. Because the, fa- the fact is, I would say that really only WandaVision and in WandaVision ended up not being, and then She-Hulk are the only two Marvel properties that I would say are not just superhero movies or whatever with elements. Like we love Winter Soldier for being, for having spy thriller elements, but it has spy thriller elements. It's not a spy thriller. Yeah. It's, it just isn't. Right. And so I hope that what the actual tone of werewolf by night is, is the tone that is in the trailer as opposed to them, like making a campy trailer for something that's more conventional. Now, will I be super disappointed if it ends up being more conventional than the trailer? No, of course not. But I, that is the thing that I am thinking about, and I really hope they go for it because they can, because this is not very high stakes, and I just really can't wait for lots and lots of 18-year-olds to watch it and think that it's dumb because they don't understand that there's a certain yeah. thing as camp where things are dumb, quote-unquote dumb on purpose for yeah. emotional effect, and that realism is not the only way to tell stories, and sometimes you can use heightened emotions in order to get a point across, etc., etc., etc. Also, shouts to Michael Giacchino, my man, just being like, I laid down a dope score. What am I going to do? Direct a fucking movie for Marvel. That's <laughs> awesome. Like, who does that? Well, who does that move of like, I'm going to do score, and then I'm going to become a director. Nothing in between. I will but, say yeah. that... The, uh, when I was doing some press work for Lightyear, which was a movie that Michael Giacchino did the score for. Great uh, score think, and also very good movie. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I was I was watching the the press conference and the director of Lightyear was saying that like Michael uh, Giacchino Giacchino um, would like help him like give not like didn't direct the movie for him, but like was there and had all these very useful tips and like great Mm -hmm. ideas as a director. And he was sort of praising Michael uh, Giacchino as a director before he had even really like debuted as a director. And I thought, I thought that was really cool to hear and promising having the idea at that point that he might be 
in charge of werewolf by night um mm-hmm. but yeah it seems like this is something that he's really wanted to do for a while and i hope yeah. that they he nailed it because it looks great I, I, I think that that's the thing like he clearly seems passionate about it and it's one of those things where it's not like marvel had the idea i mean they probably had the idea of doing werewolf by night but like if michael giacchino did not have a strong take they would not have given it to him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they would have, if they were looking for something more bland, they could have given it to a lot of different people. So, right. Yeah. They, they want to pay a, a homage to 30 and forties um, horror films. And I think that's a cool thing. And it's one of the mi- biggest misconceptions Jake, you mentioned the camp and 18 year olds and stuff like that. It's one of the biggest misconceptions of what happened with people watching uh, multiverse of madness that, I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of folks just like missed that part of it and what was so entertaining and 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 interesting about that film. So we're going to get kind of those vibes probably to a, a different degree, I would hope. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this. I think this is going to be fun. And Elsa Bloodstone is another character that we're going to get in this. So like yes. we're talking about the supernatural side of things. And as we get closer to Blade and other things of that nature, like, I, listen. I'm I'm down for the werewolf. So werewolf by night coming your way in a couple of weeks. Trust me, we will be all over this one. So now that we're done with things that we have seen, there's a lot of the, we'll get to the announcements more so than anything else. We'll we'll touch on a few of the things that like there were brief talks about, but the main announcement and Hunter, this is like right for you. So we we found out the the cast and the team of the Thunderbolts. So we're getting Ghost. We're getting Elena. Val obviously is on this team. John Walker, Red Guardian, and Bucky. Bucky. Bucky is back. Bucky is back in the fold. And Hunter, you, I didn't. I don't think you said you hated it. I, I think people were a little strong in the reaction. I think you just found it to be a little meh, right? Yeah, yeah. I Listen, I, I'm a firm believer in, even if I don't love, you know, the announcements heading into a project that I'm probably going to end up seeing anyway, um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, like, waiting to see it before mm-hmm. I start trashing it online. Yes. Um and I, you know, who's to say what surprises Marvel has up their sleeves with, with this one? Who's to say if this cast they revealed is even the whole team? I, I know, like, there's all sorts of theories, and I have my own wacky theories about the movie and Phase 5 in general. But, yeah, I mean, if we're going just based off of what was announced and taking that at face value, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a little disappointing for me in, you know, for a lot of the reasons I think a lot of people have been disappointed in that... Thunderbolts is, you know, for for anyone who doesn't know, it's essentially like Marvel's Suicide Squad. Now that Suicide Squad is sort of like a household name, it's it's right. villains, quote unquote, reformed villains forming their own team to replace the Avengers. They even said at the panel, you know, there are no Avengers right now, so we're gonna form the Thunderbolts, and they're gonna be supposedly yeah. like the new team protecting Earth. Um, and I just think, like, something that is so fun about team-up projects, uh, especially one that promises to bring together characters we've already met in the same way when we assembled the Avengers, is, is the diversity in power sets, the diversity mm-hmm. in background, the diversity in, in all of that, and seeing them come together, interact, seeing those action sequences, see, seeing all of that. Um, and for me, it was just like, I, I'm excited about Ghost. 
I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited that Ghost is back because um I think she's she was a really good character that was forgotten too quickly after Ammon and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a really interesting backstory, really interesting power set. Uh, it has a lot to offer going forward and a lot of potential. Um, but the rest of the characters, I feel like, I think it was a strange choice to take a lot of characters who already know each other and a lot of characters who kind of, you know, do the same thing. Like, you have two characters on the same team who both use a shield as, like, part of their main thing. You have, like, four super soldiers. You have, most of them are, you know, like, half the team was in Black Widow, the other half was in, like, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that that whole vibe. And when you look at, I think it would be less disappointing if there wasn't already a precedent in the comics for the Thunderbolts being a really diverse and interesting team with a wide range of characters. Um, You know, so that's, that's one thing for me uh, where it just, it just didn't hit as hard as I was hoping it would hit. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. The cast that they have in that movie is a group of insanely talented people. And that I'm not about Mm -hmm. at all. Um, and also, I mean, again, we haven't seen the movie, um, who's to say whether or not our, our good friend, the Baron, uh, Helmet Zemo is Mm going to be in the movie, but I, I don't know. I just, I wish he was kind of front and center for it as the guy who like originally funded the Thunderbolts in the comics, a character who I love very, very deeply. I, he's one of my favorite characters in the Marvel universe in general and has been for a really long time. And uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm still waiting for them to give Zemo his due, and he he hasn't gotten it yet. And I wish. And I have all sorts of Zemo theories for this movie too. But I, you know, it's up to you whether we get into that. <laughs> I'm gonna hit that point, but I want Jake to go. Jake, give me your thoughts on Thunderbolts. Uh, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about it except that, like, I think one we just never know what actors' contract situations are with mm-hmm. who's not in this movie. Honestly, that's mm-hmm. like I think I wish I to keep in mind. And I think they also probably. It seems like they're probably kind of thinking very organically in a way that I actually don't think is necessary about how all these people would come together. Like, it actually is plausible that all these people would come together, whereas with the Suicide Squad type thing, they're all a mishmash. But, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'll wait and see. I think that it would be cooler if there was more types of villains. But also, like I said, there's Marvel obviously kills off a lot of its villains in the movies. and. There's also a lot that they might not be able to get back. But AC, I'm curious about your thoughts. No, I wanted to say, like, I think so when I saw it, like, I'm cool with it. I don't mind it, but I felt like it was their safest choice. Like, it was just uh, like, if you want to just go with, oh, we can have banter with Yelena and Red Guardian. Cool. We can do that. Val, jokes, Bucky, you know, like just like a lot of characters we know and we like already. But like. I think one of the best things about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and more of this will tie in a little bit later, but when Zemo came in, he absolutely stole the show. Stole it. Stole it completely. And uh, yes, Jake's point about actors' contracts is a very, very astute one, because this this plays into a lot of this. But that was my first thought when I saw this cast. I was like, oh, wait, where the hell is Zemo? And I think there's a, like an easy tie in there that you could have him in there. So I think the power set thing, I think is a fair, is a fair assessment. And this is the thing, like I'll just take one character, for example, Taskmaster. 
Taskmaster mm-hmm. is a, a character like I think that yes, they try to present it in a different way in Black Widow. I don't think it landed for a lot of people. So I am interested to see how they expand on on uh, her story and maybe give her more to do because I think having her be this you know emoteless robot. Like mm-hmm. basically for the entire Black Widow movie, I think did a discredit to what the character could have been potentially. And hopefully they get a, a good workaround here. But I feel like, Hunter, you want to say something? Well, I was just bringing up Taskmaster is a, a good point. Um, I think Taskmaster is actually one of the other ones that I'm not upset about being on the team because I think Taskmaster is really cool in the sense that that she has... I mean, hypothetically speaking, yeah. in the suit that she's wearing, like, power set-wise, who's to say what she does in the movie, or who's to say who she studied? So, like, you know, you could add all of these things. You could even need, because they made Taskmaster more tech-based uh, than typical in the MCU, like, you could even add some sort of, like, flying apparatus to that suit. And like, But was, I like, mean even more thing. personally. Like, personally, yeah, well, like, I'm, Taskmaster in well, the yeah. books, like... You know, is a little bit of a cocky person. Like, I would like to see that personality come out. And that's where I'm intrigued to see if they allow that or are they going to continue to just make her, you know, emotionless. And I'm not sure how that's going to play. So I think the most interesting thing about Taskmaster being in Thunderbolts is that, you know, Black Widow doesn't didn't take place in the year that it came out. Like it took place pre- Infinity War, Endgame, right. all that stuff. Um, so by the time the events of Thunderbolts happen, like within the MCU canon, compared to where we last saw Taskmaster, mm-hmm. again, whether or not Taskmaster... Yeah, it's like 10 years, that, almost, that's like since. That's a, a whole other thing. But, like, years have occurred in Taskmaster's life since then. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that they're going to have Olga Kirilenko come out and just be like Tony Masters and be like, you know, sort of like <laughs> 2.0 or, right. or whatever. Taskmaster is in the comics uh but I I do think that gives them a little bit of leeway to like change up the personality and then just kind of explain it away with like yeah well she spent the last x amount of years being a mercenary or hanging out with this group of people or doing this and Mm -hmm. it's like changed her in this way or or that way and I think that you know that's there but yeah Taskmaster is is a huge question mark with this Thunderbolts lineup in in that we know so like we know that very traumatic origin story that this character right. went through. but aside from that we really don't know much about about the character so it almost feels like taskmaster has the most like room to play with uh yeah. from the writing perspective for sure for sure and this is kind of where i'm at with it because i almost feel like the setup to this movie is gonna be better than the movie in the sense that <laughs> kind of that we have the idea of Valve recruiting people, and we've already started to see it in the phase four and how that kind of develops. Like that part is interesting, but then how it overall translates on screen when they're doing it with these particular set of characters, which like again, Hunter, you said very talented people. Um mm-hmm. love Florence Pugh. Apparently, allegedly she's supposed to be the leader of this group. So that I that is a that's an interesting choice. And I mean that in a good way. Um, but just in terms of, you know what, I think of this and this is where my comic side does come out because I think of dark Avengers and I think of that whole Norman Osborn storyline and how interesting it was, how they played off of 
not trusting Iron Man, the government not trusting Iron Man so much that they said, hey, Norman Osborn, please fix this. We'll give we'll <laughs> hand we'll hand it all to you. So yeah. I, so I wonder if they're going to do something similar with Val, where they're gonna just be like, Val, hey, can you fix this for us, please? Can you be the heroes that that we 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 can trust here? And how they manage that story should be interesting. I, I, the thing I, I think is, oh, sorry, I, I think we're both oh, waiting no, to speak. No, no, if you have a comic thing, I just have a general response to how I think this is going to be different from Suicide Squad in an important way, but you go. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think two points off of that that I'll go through quickly. The first, it's a good point to say, like, there's a lot of projects between now and Thunderbolts, and we don't really know mm-hmm. where the is going to be by the time it comes out. Um, you know, you bringing up the idea of trust and the Dark Avengers, this does really feel like a, almost like an amalgamation of Thunderbolts and the Dark Avengers concept in the way they organized the team. Um, and you know, in in the comics, there, there was a whole, in the comics, the whole reason the Dark Avengers exists is it's a post secret invasion world and people don't trust anyone. Right. Bingo. also what's happening in the MCU. So we don't know how Secret Invasion is going to affect everything. We don't know what the outcome of that is, and maybe that does play a role in them being like, okay, Val, like, we can't trust anyone, but you guys seem to be, like, a reasonable substitute, so let's do this. Um, So so that's one thing. And then the other just, like, last comic book-based point I wanted to make was something that you said earlier, AC, with this feels like the safest choice uh, and that being why it almost feels slightly disappointing mm-hmm. is that, you know, for me, there's almost like, depending on the, the run, there's like two different takes on, on the Thunderbolts. There's the original take, uh, which is we are a bunch of villains who are pretending to be good guys. And we like the there's a void and we're going to be like, we're superheroes now. Everybody trust us and then eventually they pull out the rug and yeah. you know yada 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 zemo does his uh, brilliant wonderful thing where he pulls off his mask to reveal that he has his other mask underneath which is uh, <laughs> classic um and then there's the other version which is in later years the thunderbolts kind of become the more like government based team where they're like all right we already have this concept of thunderbolts let's take villains that we have as the government have forcibly reformed and make them a team usually that version of the thunderbolts has like a guardian who was already a good guy who's keeping them in line like it's been hawkeye in the past in this maybe that's bucky although not that bucky has the most trust in the mcu Mm -hmm. um and and for me the the concept of like villains do, ha, throwing like a masquerade party was always so much more fun than the like yeah. gi joe concept right. mm-hmm. and so for me the, the fact that we are getting a thunderbolts movie and it's like the the less interesting of the two options is, is slightly mm-hmm. disappointing to me but i also understand like that right. organically fits better into this mcu that that we have yeah but yeah who's to say that taskmaster doesn't pull off her mask and it's actually daniel brawl like kudos mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i think that that really is the key difference between this and suicide squad to me is that while there obviously are ranges it really feels like most of the characters on this lineup are not nearly as bad people as the members of the suicide squad are like yeah. they're actually like not that reprehensible generally uh you know we might have our feelings <laughs> exactly there's no one who is like a man uh who is a crocodile man um but um but i think that like that does kind of raise an interesting 
thing is if they're gonna do like i actually just don't know how many villains they could have to do the masquerading one because like i wouldn't buy bucky being on that team i wouldn't really buy yelena being on that team i wouldn't buy red guardian being on that team like i wouldn't buy most of these characters being on that team even like ghost seemed like she's not actually like bad to the bone so i think that they really they kind of don't have much of a choice with the way that they've done villains where either villains end up getting humanized in some way or they're killed off um and so i think that like they kind of had their hands tied i wasn't i wish there was more variety but ultimately i i think that i think that they're conscious of the this is marvel suicide squad comparisons and i think that they will play it probably more nuanced than Mm -hmm. that in that where the suicide squad the whole thing is in both movies generally is that with the exception of Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad, they all eventually come together and realize that they all want to be good together. I think in this, I think there's different shades because I don't think that, for example, I don't think John Walker has the same goodness in his heart that Yelena does at the end of the day. Like, Yelena, I think, is ultimately a good person. I don't think John Walker is. And I don't think that the MCU is afraid. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll make the same mistake again. Maybe they will not listen to any of the feedback they got about John Walker and make him seem like a good guy. But I think that there's so Mm -hmm. much variety in terms of how bad these people actually are that I think there is going to be some sort of internal conflict, which is exciting. Yes. Yes, I would agree with that. You know, if if they did it, and this speaks to Jake's point about killing off villains, like if they didn't kill off Frank Grillo and uh, Crossbones, that would have been a perfect, that would have been a perfect fit in there. So just 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 for that example. But what were you gonna say, Hunter? I wish that Crossbones just kept like I wish that was like a running gag in the MCU that he just kept dying and then somehow mm-hmm. miraculously not dying and was just mm-hmm. like like I don't know if you guys have ever seen. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, but they have this character named Cricket who, like, the running gag of the show is that he, at the beginning of the show, he's a pastor. Like, he's like he's mm-hmm. a priest or, or something along those lines. And every time he meets up with the gang, his life gets, like, a little bit worse. And mm-hmm. at this point, like, 14 seasons in, he's homeless on the seasons, and Jesus. he's, like, a burn victim and he, like, sleeps with dogs for, like, drugs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's, like... That has been his his thing, and I always thought it'd be funny if they did that with Crossbones. Like he just shows up for a scene every like once per phase, and his life just gets a little bit worse <laughs> every single time. <laughs> See, the problem is Frank Grillo's too busy filming five straight to VOD right wing action movies a day. So <laughs> it's true. Shout out no, to the Purge. Not, you're not wrong. He he's been kickboxing. No, I'm not talking about the Purge. AC, I'm talking about, if you look on, like, any VOD, uh, there's, like, 20 Frank Grillo action movies that were never released in theaters, no oh, advertising. Yeah. He's the really? king of, like, super, like, not thinly veiled right-wing militia type stuff. Like, that's you know how, the type of... <laughs> you know how when Bruce Willis revealed that, like, his diagnosis and everyone was like, oh, that's why all those, like, mm-hmm. direct DVD movies made sense. And, like, the, the uh, I'm forgetting the name of the bad Oscars. But the oh the Razzies, yes, the Razzies. the Razzies had like they made like their own category for Bruce Willis because they didn't know that he was ailing, Oof. and it was like there was like eight just direct-to-video movies mm-hmm. that were all starring Bruce Willis. There's a good chance Frank Grillo was in seven of eight of those, and yeah, Frank Grillo laughed at direct-to-video <laughs> movies. Bruce Willis did. You understand? Frank Grillo is the king of the direct-to-video action movie, and so let him do that. Let him make money by flying into like you know, uh, you know. Azerbaijan for two days, holding a gun in two scenes. Like, like I don't know. He doesn't need to play crossbones. 
Oh, man. <laughs> so, yes, um, Thunderbolts, we will get in Phase 5. Actually, it closes Phase 5. So, my, yes. My last point with Thunderbolts, and we don't have to discuss it, is just that we also still don't know who the villain of that movie is or how that will affect fair point. the team or anything. And I think that that's another fair point in its favor that, you know, who knows. Mm-hmm. But yeah. all, all very valid points there. So, you know, kind of in the same vein, we have the announcement a little bit more of what Captain America New World Order is going to look like, directed by uh, Julius Ona. And obviously we got Anthony back, Mackie back as Sam Wilson. We got the surprise of Tim Blake Nelson returning as the leader oh, from all the way back in Incredible Hulk. So it's, it, it, I see the smile on Jake Christie's face. Jake, talk about it real quick. I mean, it's like this is when a guy in the NBA is on a heat check and he's throwing up from 35 feet away. He's like, <laughs> Kevin Feige is like, oh, you thought it was cool when I brought back the main villain from The Incredible Hulk? Watch me bring back a guy who was like a side character that no one remembered from The Incredible Hulk. Let me bring him back in a fucking unrelated seemingly movie. And you know what? I just got to respect the heat check. Whether it goes in or not, it's that's, it's not about that. It's about throwing the shot up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, So there was a lot of discussion online about this movie over the weekend. And it was very, it was very interesting but before i get into that discussion i do want to say i am very much looking forward to in this movie at one point anthony mackie sam wilson making a similar speech as to what he made to a, a, an atlanta falcons fan this past sunday in atlanta <laughs> during saints falcons <laughs> jake if you could clip that please uh, clip that in it's a nice little pepsi speech addendum Anthony Mackie, show your face if you're going to rep the Saints in Atlanta. We don't want you. Rise up, baby. Let's go. Rise up. You're disappointing your father. He raised you to be better than this. Oh. Be a better man. Hey. Be the best man that you can be. Hey. Rise up, baby. Be a better man. Rise up. disrespecting your father. Hey. Rise up. Your father's father's saying. You disrespecting Atlanta. When you're in the eight. You represent the A. Sir, I'm sorry that your sperm turned out to be He's sorry he's a he's sorry he's an eighth fan. Rise up, baby. We don't want you. Yay, welcome. Rise up. Yeah, so the discussion about this movie is interesting for a lot of different reasons. Some which might might consider problematic because because apparently they are bringing an Israeli superhero into this movie the name by the name of Zabra. Now, Hunter, I don't know this character very well. Do you know anything about this character? I want to be completely honest with you, AC. I do not. See, that's that's <laughs> it, 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 like it doesn't. It I, doesn't. Like, I can yeah. Fake through that, and that would just be a disservice. To no, everybody. no. It's better. No, it's no. It's better that you're better that you're <laughs> honest about it. So, like when I heard this part first and you start to see threads on on it and then you see the 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 title of the movie being new world order i didn't know that this was a was had uh you know kind of like a anti-semitic type of thing towards the, it the whole thing is yeah this is thank you jake really at both sides yeah i'm gonna talk delicately <laughs> about this which the fact that i'm deciding to do that shows you what it is because i talked delicately about basically nothing but yes the thing is First, the the first wave of backlash before they announced the Israeli character was, I think, very understandable of Tim Blake Nelson is a Jewish man 
and the it's called New World Order, which is a conspiracy theory almost always attributed to Jewish people. Not great. Uh, and then there was introduction of Israeli superhero, and anything on Twitter involving Israelis is going to be thorny because of lots of obvious reasons I won't go into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I you know, with their treatment of Palestinians, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that I understand some of the concerns. I also don't necessarily agree with the line of thinking that, like, you know, you can't have an Israeli. I don't like the sort of line of thinking that you basically can't have any Israeli character in any mass media because, like, you know, mm-hmm. we don't know what the character is. She just could be someone from Israel. You know, there are like you know six million people who live there. Um, but I understand the trepidation. But I do think it's kind of ironic that like the first wave of backlash was like this is anti-Semitic, and then the next wave was like, oh my god, they're gonna have a pro-Israel character. <laughs> like I think that that is kind of it is. It just kind of shows where we are. My ultimate stance is like. Uh-huh. I definitely am mo- I'm probably more sympathetic to the New World Order complaint just because I truly know nothing about this Israeli character and I'm not going to be like the character should right. be entered because he's Israeli. That's, I'm not going to go there. And if people want to go there, then that's their prerogative, but I'm not going to personally. But I think it is just like I wouldn't have gotten with New World Order as a title even before this casting because it is a real thing. Like it's tied up in real shit and I wouldn't have yeah. I would have tried to avoid that. Yeah, so that so that part we can leave to the side. I think the part that I do want to talk about is I don't have a good read on this film generally, mainly because I still have the same issue with the dude who wrote Falcon and the Winter Soldier who's writing this in uh, Malcolm Spellman. So... I mean, for me, like in terms of like, if you're going to write the quintessential Sam Wilson story and apparently in this Sam is supposed to be more of a leader, he's stepping up to the plate, becoming more uh, of a leading hero. I got to be honest, I wouldn't want Malcolm Spellman writing that story. Uh, I saw what happened in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Listen, I could pin I will pin this message to every time I mention that show on this podcast. Just go back and listen to what we did on Falcon and the Winter Soldier it gives you all the context, gives you everything, even had a bonus episode of black characters in how they portrayed in media. Just go listen to that. Then you'll understand what, what my trepidation is about this gentleman writing this show. So, I mean, this show writing this movie. So just generally speaking, I don't know how to really feel about it. Yes, there's a Hulk element in this with the leader there, and it seems like there's... There's stuff happening with this and She-Hulk and World War Hulk. There seems to be kind of like a connection kind of growing there. We'll see how She-Hulk concludes. But, I mean, I wouldn't even use the word excited. I'm just kind of like I'm waiting to see. And I, I have to admit, like, the news over the weekend is just like, yeah, we got we to gotta have the black character tied up in this shit? Like, really? Like, I... Ah, it just that part of it frustrates me. But um, Hunter, if you could give me give me your thoughts on like what you heard based off of all of the stuff that they talked about with this movie. Uh, okay. Well, my perspective of this, um, mm-hmm. all of the controversy that both of you just mentioned was something that just wasn't in my wheelhouse to like really think about it or talk about in in a real like a like a genuine way if, if that makes sense no i feel you so, same here yeah and so i like 
really my main thought with this movie. I will say I, I agree. I'm still not super into the title. It just fed... The reveal that the leader was the main villain, for me, was, like, the main thing that I've been trying to figure out. Because it feels weird with all of the Captain America villains and all of the Sam Wilson story arcs in the comics. Uh, especially, like, his first one, which felt like they should just take that and make it the movie. Yeah. Um, it felt weird to then take a villain who is famously, like like, a Hulk villain... And right. was introduced in a Hulk movie and make him the main antagonist of the first Sam Wilson Captain America movie. Like that, that felt strange to me. I and agree. That's not to discredit the fact, like I've been saying, you can check my Twitter account. I've been saying for years that I want Tim Blake Nelson back as the leader because I think that's great casting and I like that character. I just never for a second thought it was going to be in Captain America 4. Like that, that felt like, mm-hmm. like a weird place to put it. Um, However, it did feed into this really sort of batshit theory that I have about Phase 5, which is that the leader is sort of like a secret, like, sub-big bad. (laughs) They're, they're like, like low-key spreading. I I have a lot of theories about it. No, 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 actually, hold on a second. I I, want to hear a little bit about it. Just give, if you can, if you can condense it to, like, a minute and a half. I want to hear. I want to hear what you. I want to hear what you got on this. I think I can do that. I think I can yeah. do that. So, essentially, we're watching She Hulk now. Uh, not episode four, but episode three of She Hulk. You know, we know with the Wrecking Crew, there right. somebody wants that She Hulk blood. Like someone wants that She Hulk blood. Someone wants that Hulk blood. And I was trying to figure out who it was. And I joked on uh, the the Universal Church of Truth, which is a separate series I do with Murphy's Multiverse, that that. I would love it to be the leader because in the comics and in other media, the leader's whole thing is that he wants to like make other people hulks and he wants to like control people and make everything in his own image, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I was like, it'd be cool if the leader was a surprise villain in She-Hulk and he's the one who wants to mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And then we get to D23 and they announced that the leader is coming back, but it's in Captain America 4. Um, in a movie called New World Order, which again, we've talked about, has a lot of other things probably a mistake of a title anyway um there's there's this arc in avengers emh which i know that you also like ace uh called gamma world where the leader returns and his whole thing is he wants to make everybody a hulk there were rumors a really long time ago that marvel was developing some kind of like world war hulk hulks whatever project um and then those like died away and we haven't seen them in a really long time we know that mark ruffalo is going to space yada 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 so my theory is essentially that the leader is is emerging from the shadows and phase five is going to have him sporadically around trying to enact this plan where he's trying to turn everybody into hulks um and he's going to try to you know use she hulk's blood yada 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 i part of this theory which i'm going to write about is that Vale is actually part of the thunderbolts team and she's going to be red she hulk and that's like a whole other thing whoa um, okay then, wait that's... wait wait i i just want i just want to give i want to give the person i quoted earlier michael springthorpe a moment to clean himself up at the notion that jld will be a superhero or i continue <laughs> All right. Yes, <laughs> that, one, that one was for you, Michael Springthorpe. Um, yeah, I think there's a really strong chance that she's secretly Red She-Hulk. Anyway, um, and I think that there is a chance that whatever was World War Hulk or World War Hulks or whatever, hypothetically speaking, if rights issues or whatever, if that maybe right. fell apart on the scenes, that they then took that and sort of spread it 
into other MCU projects, and they might have taken the leader, inserted him into Captain America 4, and used his Gamma World plan as, like, the new world order that he's trying to, like, enact, where everyone is Hulk's. I know it sounds crazy, but, No, like, that's just that one. That sounds good. That's one of those, like... It's actually like, pretty theories. good. Yeah, that's one of those things <laughs> that I'm going to be disappointed by whatever it is instead, because also, yeah. I, I think that... The good thing about that idea, and why it actually is somewhat plausible to me, is that with someone like Jonathan Majors, he's a big actor doing a lot of things, so you only can have him pop up in so many things. Tim Blake Nelson is pretty famous for just being in two scenes of a movie. Like he's not yeah. a guy who is a you know he'll show up for he'll show up for three days on Minority Report and steal like three scenes. You know what I mean? Um, right. And so I could definitely see Tim Blake Nelson being in like the next six Disney Plus projects for um, like a scene each. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I, I like that idea a lot. And I think that, like, from my non-comics perspective of mm-hmm. the idea of the leader being in a Captain America thing, obviously I know he is the Hulk's um, enemy, but I also, I think that the idea of someone who is, like, super smart or whatever, I, I think that that's an interesting, I, the thing I like about it is I actually want to see Sam Wilson go up against a super-powered individual and not just, like, a super serum person i want to see him going in something like sci-fi because I, I personally i like when the power sets are completely different between hero and villain and like i like the idea mm-hmm. of him just being a dude with wings and a shield trying to take down a guy who's super smart <laughs> and has like i think that actually just that's interesting and i think that that gets kind of to the essence of what superhero stuff is about which is not about the powers it's about the yada 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 Gotcha. And I, I will also throw into that theory, like, real quick, that we figured out in Falcon and the Winter Soldier that Sharon Carter is the power broker, and who better to push your new Hulk drug around the globe than Sharon Carter in a Captain America? Mm, okay. Yeah, so, like, there's that, and then, you know, however that feeds into Thunderbolts, which I think is the next movie after New World Order, uh, that we don't know who the villain is, and... Yeah, I... I think it would be it would be fun if that if like the leader was sort of like the low key phase five like big bad and that phase five was just sprinkled with there's a bunch of hulks everywhere and now we got to figure it out. Granted, I also recognize and have my you know trepidations about the idea that Sam Wilson's first Captain America movie is like sort of a Hulk story like that. I don't I don't know. It yeah, kind of reminds I, I, me I, I, of how, <laughs> of how like how Falcon and the Winter Soldier ended up being a Zemo and Bucky thing, and yeah, 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 yeah. for a lot of it, but, and that's kind of like where I was I, before. I yeah. mostly agree with you guys. I'm like seventy percent there with you. But what it does remind me of is, you know, when like a football team will um, run the ball a lot, and fans will be like. Why don't they pass anymore? Why are they just having so much of a run game? And then when they finally let the quarterback pass a lot, they suck a lot. And you're like, oh, keep running it. Part of me <laughs> is, and I, I don't mean to be mean, part of me is honestly like, do they just know that Anthony Mackey's Captain America can't carry a movie by himself? Honestly, I, I, gone to my head, I think that that might be it. And I think that that's fine. But I think that like, I would actually rather them, even though it sucks for his character, if they are like getting the vibe because even though he wasn't the lead of Falcon Miller Soldier, and it kind of sucked that he kind of got stuff stolen away from him, nothing he did in his own scenes led me to believe that he was capable of carrying the rest of it. It's not like I'm like, he would have ran with it. I mean, that's kind of the problem. Like, I, I just don't... I would rather them do a good movie for Captain America 4 that is not super-duper Captain America-centric than do a super-duper Captain America-centric movie that's mid. Like, unfortunately, that's... Jake? Yeah. That is a, that is a, a very astute point, and I think... 
is a point that is really something that should be considered when we think about this movie, because, I mean, it is, it is what it is. We were talking about it back then. So, I mean, it, it, it tracks, is what I would say. So, so we'll see what happens. Captain America New World Order in 2024 starts shooting next year. So, that should be interesting. And, uh, yeah, we got a bunch of uh, other stuff. Quantumania, I'm going to keep it short here because I want to really wait until we, we can all see a trailer on it. Mm-hmm. But um, basically, more Kang stuff just seems like we're this is a direct line into the Kang Dynasty is basically how it was described this weekend. So excited to see the first trailer for that whenever we get it. So we'll talk about that when that happens. Um, the Marvels, I thought was even though we didn't see anything, I thought some of the conversation that came out of it from what we've heard all of the stars and. And the and the director Nia DaCosta talked about as far as like what this story is going to look like. Basically, the our three heroines, um, Kamala, Monica, and Carol. Basically, when they use their powers, they have a little Freaky Friday situation and get switched to wherever the other person is. Like one of the descriptions of the videos was that I think Kamala got transported to a space station that Nick Fury was at. So, like, it's just stuff like that seems to be happening. And the three of them have to figure out why that is, considering their powers are are similar in a lot of in a lot of ways. So, I mean, I'm excited for this movie. I know a lot of people made a bunch out of Brie Larson's uh, little um, little moment with the press. Oh, by the way, I do. As an aside. That that gentleman and listen, I always am hashtag washed agenda. I always am, always am, always am. But when it comes to specific things like this, you cannot have these type of people asking these just really bad questions. Just bad. It's a terrible question. Uh, I think the question was, oh, do you want to keep still keep playing Captain Marvel? And like, dog, like, why would you ask that shit? This is a dumb thing. So it's, I it's, get why she got yeah. mad at it. I think there's a couple of things going on because I obviously think about this a lot. Um, I think there's just a... There is a, I think, a misunderstanding from legacy media of that while legacy media does not need to be doing the same coverage that Murphy's Multiverse does necessarily, they can't be covering these things, especially at an expo event like they would any other movie because people are just more invested in them and the the fans can't know way more than the person asking the question. That's just bad journalism. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't want an NFL journalist to know less about the player that they're interviewing than the fans. But also, I think that the... The, pr- the thing that I feel bad for Brie Larson about is that whenever she, like, makes snide comments in re- in the direction of the incels who hate her because she, um, what was it, she she killed a puppy. Oh, wait, no, she didn't kill a puppy. She wanted diversity. Oh, I, of course, that was my, I'm so stupid. <laughs> those, people like, people confuse those things all the time. I know. Um, Equality is a really subject that people that, don't seem to. <laughs> yeah, I clearly took that as a, like, both kind of mocking the dumbness of the question but also being like well people you know people get mad at me about it so like you know i would love to and i think that the worst thing is that the people who hate her most took that as like oh she doesn't want to play the character anymore it's like no it's because you and your bozo friends fucking like the the phenomenon that is truly insane to me is go Mm -hmm. on any video in any interview setting that has brie larson in it on youtube actually not anymore because they got rid of it but back when they used to have likes and dislikes they all will be more disliked than liked 
no matter what the context was. Because there are people who spend their days disliking videos with a person in them because they don't like them for something they said once. And that's not offensive. And so my whole thing with that is just like, fucking leave her alone. And if she wants to like be like... She sometimes has some responses that are a bit like, okay, Brie, you're trying a little too hard. But yeah, she's a fucking actress. Mm-hmm. She try people like try hard. Like, I just God, I feel so bad for her with that she's just trying to be a fucking cool superhero. Yeah, it's a great job. And people are like, How dare you insinuate that it's bad that every single comic book journalist is a Jesus, white guy? Man. Like that I mean Yeah. yeah. Nah, Jake, you called and, it, man. Go ahead, Hunter. And to be fair, like it going again, I agree with everything Jake just said, and like building on that point, Real Larson says this on the red carpet, right? And then, you know, people are freaking out about it online. And then today I see a, a somewhat major outlet post an article taking that little video clip and in their headline phrasing it as like, Brie Larson isn't sure if people even like her or like something like that. And <sighs> my first thought when I see a headline like that is like, yeah, because you took that quote and then you immediately turn it into this headline. And she has to deal with that every day. And then she goes on a red carpet. And then someone asks her a question that is like not the best or smartest question to be asking this actress. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, of course she's kind of annoyed and kind of mad. Because like no matter what she says, someone is going to publish an article with a headline that's just clickbait to make people mad at her. And like, it's just, it's annoying. I would understand. I would also it, be very it, annoyed in that scenario. It yeah. reminds me so much of the outlets that treated Gamergate like it was actually about ethics and gaming journalism. Like it treats Brie Larson, and it, it, it is her existence. And I think that it's something that, this is honestly, I think once again, why it's, you shouldn't just have regular run-of-the-mill entertainment journalists doing this. Is yeah. that like, if you spend any time on the internet, you'll realize that for reasons that are complicated and dumb, Brie Larson is, in discussion, is not a human being. She is a culture war object, ultimately. Yeah. Like, she is just a, she is a part of the culture war in a way that she didn't ask for and that people decided it. So it's like, I anything that's written about her by, like, neutral media outlets that don't seem to understand that, like... It's not actually a two sides thing. It's like reasonable people and then people who are like yeah. radical anti feminists. I don't know. Yeah. I, it just, it's nah, really, trash. she's, she's such a perfect example of the way that there's just, I mean, go look at any fucking movie starring a woman or, you know, black people these days on IMDb and like the, the woman king hasn't even come out yet and has like a million one star reviews. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just completely done with this. These no, it's, yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, she's trash. But, uh, in a positive light, I will say that um, Iman Vellani delighted no, uh, once yes. again um, on the on the on the red carpet. She made sure that she saw everything at D twenty three, and on top of that, just the way that <laughs> it's funny. They asked Brie Larson about like knowing certain aspects of her character, and even Brie said that on set, Kamal, um, Iman would tell her like how old Captain Marvel is and stuff like that. And then Iman in the in the little little thing that she did the interview, she goes, um, yeah, I got I got yeah, I'm the walking encyclopedia. And yo, thank yo, thank thank the Lord that we got somebody like Iman Vellani in the MCU because she's she's truly, truly awesome in every single way. And I and I just want nothing but good things for her. Iman Vellani, if if you're hearing this, I once was in the AMC Lincoln Center 13 theater at the same time that you were, and we made eye contact, and 
that's it. That's I, but I still cherish, I still cherish that moment because I think you're the best. And I had just my review of you being the best in Miss Marvel pinned to my Twitter account for like months. Um, and I just really wanted to talk to you about Toronto. That was like the main thing. So, you know, if you ever want to talk about Toronto, I'm always available. Anyway, please continue. Well, the, well yeah. there you go. Wow. Yeah. yeah. She's, <laughs> so, Amon, if you're listening to this, obviously talk to Hunter about Toronto. I never have uh, met eyes with you, but uh, and I've said before, I think that uh, – <laughs> I'm sorry. It, I mean, it did sound the sentence started to sound like someone narrating like a misconnections on Craigslist. But um, <laughs> oh man, uh, Amon, come on the show. We, I've said it before. I think that she would because I would not want to ask her any questions about being in Miss Marvel. Not that I wouldn't want to know the answers, but it's no. like no, I want to know your take about thing. other shit. <laughs> I want your take about other shit. Like I want your take on you know, and we'll disguise your we'll disguise your voice, and I'll ask you the Bucky arm question. Like we'll do all of it. I think that she would have been a, she would have been a, a better guest on this episode for this topic than I would have been. Yeah, oh, without man. covering the Marvels at all, and I would have exactly given up my spot. And that that yeah. Please Any, come on university and talk about and, talk about anything. Anything related to Miss Marvel, we got to make sure that we shout out our guy Mohan Kapoor. Oh, um, the goat! The, yes, the legend. Um, so salute. We gonna get our candies together at some mm. point and have mm-hmm. a, a good old chow down in the NYC mm. when you get here. Mohan, people think it's but, not gonna happen. People no, think, people it's, think not it's not gonna happen. happen but it is. Trust me. Come to us chowing down with Mohan, man. It's gonna happen. It's gonna be a real thing, man. But um, yeah, the Marvels comes out next July. It should be it should be very interesting as we get more details about it. Well, we will talk about it more. A couple of couple of other quick hitters. Loki season two, which is shooting right right now. Shout out to Tom Hiddleston, Sophia DiMartino, and Owen Wilson for taking a break from shooting to fly out for one day to D twenty three and fly right back to uh <laughs> back to shooting. Um, shout out to them. We got. We got a little bit of info on what Loki season two is going to look like. It's going to pick up right after season one with Loki talking to Mobius and B-15. And they have no idea who he is because of the multiverse shenanigans, which seems to be continuing with Kang. And, mm-hmm. you know, we will we will see we will see what happens. Um, I think the most notable thing from the way that that they described it was, um, I mean, not only we got our guy um, Kehui Guan back. Mm. Uh, he's he's from um, everything, everywhere, all everywhere at once. Mm. I, I I always get that uh, get that that part <laughs> messed up. But um, yeah, he's back. He's he's coming in the MCU as a TVA employee. Just like I, I think he's going to be awesome in it. Also, and, if you yes. want to, if you want to be happy instantaneously, he of course made a screen debut playing Short Round in Indiana Jones yeah. and the Temple of yes. Doom. And he, there's a photo that went up of him hugging Harrison Ford. Oh, that it made me smile all weekend. Harrison Ford is the grumpiest man in Hollywood, and Harrison Ford looks so happy. It just, it God, was, he he's so precious, and he's a man who's like 25 years older than me, and he's just precious. <laughs> also apparently, like the first time they'd seen each other in 30 years, which is another wow. like. I like I like knowing that and then seeing the photo because mm-hmm. it makes it even better, <laughs> which is great. No, I'm 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 happy for him, like especially after his performance in that movie, and to see him to get more opportunities and be able to come back and act. And yeah, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing him in Loki season two. Listen, we, we, Loki season one was awesome, and I'm looking forward to seeing 
when season two comes out. Uh, we also did get a little bit of on Echo. Uh, mm-hmm. We got uh, Alakwa Cox is there. Well, we saw Vincent D'Onofrio there. A little bit of info on what this is going to be. It seems like there's a little bit more of a supernatural element to this show than I think what would have been expected from the from from previous uh, incarnations of the character and especially from Hawkeye from what we've seen. So they're going to expand on that. So I'm excited to see that and we'll see how Kingpin and one Matt Murdock also fare mm-hmm. in the show. Charlie Cox did show up and again with Daredevil board again, we'll shoot next year. Remember guys, 18 episodes, how they distribute that is going to be very very fascinating. And I thought Charlie's interview in that he did on the red carpet about the character, you know, the appearance that his upcoming appearance in She-Hulk and the character general, like I'm really happy for him too, because I think it's pretty clear. He loves playing Matt Murdock. He loves playing this character so much. And, you know, he, you know, he mentioned the save daredevil campaign. What shout out to that because it, it, I think it did have an impact on bringing yeah. this character, bringing this character back. And listen, the fact that we are getting Matt Murdock kind of popping up in all of these things in the build up to his eventual return in his own show for something that we all like here, I think is very, I think is very exciting. I know uh, Hunter, you're a big Daredevil guy, so like just to kind of see that and see. Charlie Cox back in his element, back where you know he, he we feel like he belongs in as a Matt, Matthew Murdoch. Yeah, no, it's something like that is, is almost surreal to see. I mean, I, people love Charlie Cox as Daredevil for the same reasons that they love, you know, seeing Andrew Garfield get to come back as Spider Man. In that, like, regardless of anything else, you just, you know that the guy loves it and you know that he's as happy to be there as you are to see him. And, and it's so cool and so exciting. And especially when someone who's like so talented and, and gives their all, um, you know, like a lot can be said about it, but we, we don't know much. Uh, something I, I will say is that new daredevil born again logo that they flashed up on the screen, turning mm-hmm. that entire room red, putting the, the DD logo, yeah, on, on the big screen, they better freaking put that DD logo on the suit. That's all I'm saying is I have been salivating for the day that Charlie Cox gets to put on a Daredevil suit that has the logo on it and, and feels comic booky in the way that I want it to feel comic booky. And I know that's not happening in She-Hulk, even though I do love the yellow suit design that they've come up with. Uh and yeah, I mean, from from that panel, you know, we didn't get a ton. Uh, it was more so just like a reminder that it's happening, and and yeah. an exciting little clip to like see him and Vincent D'Onofrio on on stage and and have their banter. But I I really do hope that them including the DD logo in in the title card is an indicator that this show is is not going to be afraid to be more comic book Daredevil than the Netflix yeah. show. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and is that not? Among all the things that Kevin Feige did, which is sort of revolutionary, like, I think that he, his major stamp on the comic book movie industry is being the first person to find a way to thread the needle between, like, the campy stuff of, like, the 70s and 80s and the afraid of comic book stuff of, like, the Singer X-Men movies. And I think that 
if there's any way, like, I just fully have faith of, if the question is, is it going to be comic book accurate, but also not feel silly? Like, I think any problems anyone has with the MCU, that is a question that they've answered successfully almost every single time. That, like, there's kind of, like, it probably won't be exactly the same as comic books, but it won't be, like, you right. know, what it is in the Netflix series, which is not ashamed of the comic books, but it definitely is trying to be totally different than a comic book. Right, yeah, so. and... Yeah. And yeah, just the last thing on it for me, like, I think, you know, I'm looking forward to just tonally the look and and just the mix of the comic book element. Like Hunter said, I think the the idea of getting a little bit more of a lighthearted Matt Murdock and She-Hulk, I think will give give a, a different part of the character. And Charlie Cox spoke to that and 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 said that it was cool because I think there's a good mix that you can find. And I think that they will find that mix and we'll see yeah. what we'll see what the cast is going to be and what that'll look like soon enough. But two final things on, on this list. First, Ironheart, which we will see Riri Williams in Wakanda forever. So we're going to get our intro to her shortly. This is this is shooting now. Ryan Coogler is heavily involved in this project, so I have a lot of confidence that it's going to be pretty good. So I think the the main thing that we get out of this is uh, Anthony Ramos was there at D23. He's playing the hood. Hunter, do you have anything on the hood who this guy is? He got a little mystical thing going on. Not the rapper. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not like a hood expert, but I do know that uh, his name is Parker Robbins. And his whole thing is that he's sort of like this petty thief. Like he's nothing special. The hood being nothing special, quote unquote. It is sort of like integral to him as a character in in the sense that like he's kind of consistently underestimated by a lot of people and that is also sort of what drives him and um he essentially comes across this demon the name of the demon i i don't remember but it's also not super important it's not mm. mephisto um <laughs> and shouts to mephisto <laughs> And the, the demon has, you know, like the like a hooded cape and, and these boots and, and all that fun stuff. And he essentially comes into possession of the hood and the boots. And when he wears the hood and the boots, it gives him these mystical powers uh, mm-hmm. that he then uses to launch himself from nobody thief to crime lord. Um, and he's had lots of fun stories in the comics. Uh, you know, he's normally a gang leader. He was recently in Matt Rosenberg's uh, shout out Matt Rosenberg. He's great. Uh, run of Hawkeye as the main villain. Um, I remember reading a comic a long time, like an Avengers comic a long time ago, where uh, he manages to, again, because no one's really paying attention to him, mm-hmm. he manages to steal all six Infinity Stones. And there's like this great bit where, you know, all the other heroes of the Marvel Universe kind of look at the Illuminati who are supposed to be protecting them and are like, how did this happen? And they were like, well, he figured out where all of them were. And they were like, why did you keep all of them on earth? That's so egocentric of yeah. you. And they were like, yeah, you know what? That's true. And I, I love that being like an Illuminati thing. Um, but yeah, so that, that's sort of like his whole deal. Um, is that he's like this magic based, uh, crime Lord, I guess with, with a demon, a demon hood. You it's know, an, Hunter, it, I'm a yeah. little disappointed. Oh, I'm a little disappointed. Cause I figured mm-hmm. that you, you know, a pasty white guy from outside, uh, Rochester, <laughs> New York would be an expert on the hood, but I guess, you know, we can't all be perfect. Uh, so I'm sorry. I, I, see, like I, I, I should have to Venmo you every time I do a dumb joke. 
<laughs> I don't mind. Um, it, it it makes the show what it is. <laughs> AC, make your intelligent point because I have I have nothing. I just want to say I, the fact you said not the rapper after Mystical was great. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I I'll just say this. I am very intrigued about what they're gonna do with uh, Zeke Stain. Uh, what what that character is gonna be like in this. That fascinates me a lot, continuing from Obadiah and Iron Man. What's the sun going to be like? Pretty clear that they'll probably set him up to be the villain in this show. Um, and yeah, Riri Williams' story. Listen, Wakanda forever. I'm intrigued how they weave her into all of this and and kind of give her not only an intro, but a jumping off point. So then by the time we get to Ironheart, we have a little bit of an idea of what her story is going to look like. But I trust Ryan Coogler, man. I feel like that dude has a good handle on on all of this uh, this comic book stuff. So I think he, I think we will get a good product there. So I'm looking forward to seeing I, what Ironheart has. Yes. I j- another just like very quick point on Ironheart. Of course, I do really very much enjoy uh, the idea that they're using Ironheart as a project that will comment on on the concept of magic versus science uh, in the MCU. Because I do think that's like this really interesting thing. People talk all the time about how, you know, the MCU started with Iron Man. And, and in the beginning, they were like afraid that, you know, Thor wouldn't even say he was a god. He just said he was like an alien that people didn't understand and, and all that sort of stuff. And now they've so fully embraced magic in so many ways. And in a world where science is just as prevalent as magic, you know, what does that look like? And I am I am very much excited to see how Ironheart tackles that concept because that wasn't the angle I thought the show was going to go. And when I found out that was where they were going, uh, it makes me even more excited than I was before. Yeah, 100%. And it seems like both Riri and and the Hood are going to be kind of like at least allies to start. And I guess they'll come into conflict at some point over over the Hood's choices. So that part is interesting. And then, of course, like they talked about Wakanda forever, but we don't need to talk about that because... It's almost here. We're 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 getting there. We're we're getting there. So we'll we'll definitely spend a lot of time on Wakanda Forever when it happens. But the final thing that was announced, we finally got word that Armor Wars will be shooting next year. And uh Don Cheadle, which he drew which we got a quote today that this is his uh his final uh project in his deal. In his in his Marvel contract, at least you know for the time being. So I thought that was interesting that he dropped that. Um, and this is going to be coming directly after Secret Invasion. I feel like we got a little bit of this set up in Spider Man No Way Home with Stark Tech missing, where that goes, what that story is going to be, and yeah, we'll see. This is this is going to be Rhodey's show, Rhodey's story. Um, Jake, do you have any thoughts just generally on what that might look like like with Don Cheadle? No, I mean, I hope he re-ups just because I like him showing up and stuff. But, um, I don't know. He's just, like, such a steady hand. Like, you just yes, fucking trust Don Cheadle. Like, he shows up in something and you're just like, I am in good hands. And so I hope he sticks around unless he doesn't want to. Because the thing I always say is that, like, I want these actors to be in these things as much as they want to be in them. So whatever he wants to do, he can do. I would agree. And then, and then Hunter, I'm sure you have plenty of uh, uh, theories and thoughts on, like, armor wars and what that could look like as a as a project. Oh, well, yeah. Well, here's what I'll say about armor wars. Um, I want Sam Rockwell and that, that is what I'll say. I think we all yeah, want Sam didn't, Rockwell. Didn't 
didn't just say <laughs> that he would be down to come back. Like, what the hell? I mean, I'll he, he dropped the quote about Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts. Yeah, they they asked him about Thunderbolts. But the thing about Armor Wars is that, like, in the comics, that's right in this wheelhouse. Justin Hammer is literally the villain of Armor Wars. Uh, there has to be, if he is not in Armor Wars, there has to be some sort of contractual thing. Because it just would make yeah. no sense for them. Because, one, people love him in that role. Yeah, people love him in that role. And let's not forget, he won a fucking Oscar since then, and he wants yeah. to come back. Like, he is yeah. a bigger star than he was in 2010. Like, what are they doing? Yeah, because, like, the whole the whole plot of Armor Wars in the comics, and again, I don't know how they're changing it in the MCU. I know that the, the head writer has said it's going to be, like, not exactly the same. But, like, the whole point of Armor Wars is that Justin Hammer gets a hold of... Well, it's, yeah, it's Justin Hammer and some other characters, but, like, Justin Hammer gets it's a hold Dark of yeah. Dark Tech, yeah, and begins, like, selling it and distributing it to all of these, like, B-list villains who then kind of get their own Iron Man armor and use it to become, like, more dangerous villains, and then Tony has to go around mm-hmm. and be like, that's my tech, give it back, blah, blah, blah. and that's, that's <laughs> fun. Yeah. That's, that's a great description. You sounded like a 1920s gangster. Uh- <laughs> hey, give that back, bro. <laughs> <laughs> give it back or I'll have to unload my Tommy gun on you and that's that's his whole thing but like mm-hmm. this, it, you know I had assumed it was gonna be that but it would be like post Tony's death Justin Hammer Sam Rockwell as Justin Hammer gets the the tech and and does the same thing and then Rhodey is like oh well I have to like protect the legacy of Star mm-hmm. Tech and, and my dear friend Tony Stark and I will be the one who goes around and like stops all of that from happening um, I again, I have no idea how the MCU is actually going to play it, but it does to me, like, there is literally no better project the MCU has ever set up than to bring, to bring Justin Hammer back than this one. I mean, the whole point yeah. of him being Iron Man 2 is because they were adapting elements of the Armor Wars story, and so they brought in Justin Hammer, and, like, now you're literally doing Armor Wars in title, and it's like, bring back Sam Rockwell. And like Jake said, like it could be it could be a contractual thing. Who knows what the heck is going on behind I think the he's scenes. coming. I think he's coming back. <laughs> I think he's probably coming back too. But yeah, I don't know. That's that's the whole thing about Armor Wars and and that's like my main my main hope and my dream is that we we get more Sam Rockwell in the MCU because we're long overdue for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with it. I think that to see Rhodey in this element, it'll be it'll be interesting how they do this without Tony Stark, how they manage that. They'll probably make this a more uh, introspective story, which, listen, I'm an introspective guy, so I always like introspective mm-hmm. stories. So uh, I'm excited to see what that looks like, but we'll get to it in, in due time. We got plenty of stuff. She-Hulk is still rolling along. We're finally... We're finally able to watch a new episode. It's been a month. My God. Oh, my God. It's, <laughs> been, right. it's been rough. When the show's been good and you have to wait, ooh, it's a little different feeling. So episode five later this week, we're not too far from Werewolf by Night. It's going to be very exciting. Hunter Radici, thank you, sir, for joining us. Appreciate you, my friend. Of please, please, you. please, please do all of your plugs. Let us know what you're doing, what you're up to. Right, I am H Radici fourteen on everything. That is H R A D E S I, and then the number fourteen. Uh, I do a lot of writing, and there's a lot of writing that I, I usually post it on all of my socials and, and advertise it. So please follow that. 
uh, you can go to Murphy's Multiverse and look up my name and you will find all of my work. I talked a lot about Werewolf by Night earlier. Literally, uh, the day before recording this, I wrote and published an article describing what I think Marvel can do with the future of Werewolf by Night and that corner of the MCU. So please look that up, uh, share it if you like it, all that fun stuff. Yes, awesome. And thank you for joining us once again. Jake Christie, where can we follow you, sir? You can follow me on Twitter at the Jake Christie. That's uh, two I's and one T, and it is where you think. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is that is great stuff. There's a lot of a lot of sassiness from from Mr. White Bread tonight. I, 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 I love honestly, love to see just, it. I, I think the big thing is these announcement things. I feel like I have a lot less to contribute because I don't know anything, and so it's just like I gotta get those punches in. Yeah. Yeah, of course, absolutely. And before I before I get my follows and all the other stuff, I just want to quickly just say that um, yes, they did announce that Matt Shackman was the director, but we did, uh, for a Fantastic Four, but we didn't get anything on the cast. When we get something on the cast, we will talk about it, and that's why we didn't really need to talk about it here because it, I don't want to talk about things that weren't announced. So there. Yeah. So there's that. And you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. Follow the show at MC University Pod. If you saw the the socials, you got a little nice yeah. little paint job. Shout out to one Nick Velasquez, AK Nick sucks, even though he doesn't actually suck. Yeah. Thank you, sir, for a new logo. And uh yeah, if you go to tpublic.com. Uh, Jake, what's the what's the um? It's 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 not a immediate event, but you can find our link tree on our account. Um, yes, I think it's tpublic.com. If you look up Marvel Cinematic University, it'll come up. But it's not like Patreon where it's just slash Marvel Cinematic University. But you can get our logo without the background, and so you can put it on any color you want. And I'll be honest with you, I ordered a shirt already because it's gonna look fucking fire. Uh, Nick really outdid himself with the logo. He sure did. It really just goes to show that uh, if you, you know, get people who are professionals at something and pay them to do what the professionals at, it comes up good. That's my advice to people. It's like, if you want something to look good, yep. find someone who does it and say like, hey, can you do this for me and I'll pay you money. <laughs> yeah, sh- yes, big shout out to Nick and if anybody, anybody wants to uh, support the brand, yeah, just go buy you a t-shirt, hoodie or something like that. And of course, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash MCUniversityPod, where you can get all of our bonus episodes. And and of course, the Discord for $3, as Jake said earlier, the Discord's always hopping, always having fun conversations. And yes, once again, appreciate everybody for listening. Make sure that you five-star, five-star, five-star review the show on all platforms, Apple and Spotify or wherever wherever you review things. But nonetheless, appreciate everybody for supporting. Appreciate everybody for listening. For Hunter and Jake, I am Anthony Canton III. This is Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time.